chapter 1. Jeremiah is one of my favorite Bible characters. He's one of my heroes. Uh, he is a man that was called of God to go give a very difficult message to Israel. It was, it was not... Uh, it was not something good is going to happen to you today. You know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, bouncy and cheerful. It was a me message of judgment. And he warned Israel uh, uh, of, of, of the judgment to come and told them to repent. The thing about Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's whole ministry is uh, you don't see much when it comes to results in that ministry. I think, I think you do later on, you find out that uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got a hold of uh, Jeremiah's scripture, the scripture that God used Jeremiah to write. Uh, again, just like that song we just sang, channels only. He was just the channel. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. But, but uh, uh, those men got a hold of that and got some strength for their stand that they took uh, when they were in captivity. But overall, you just don't see a whole lot of results in the ministry of this man. And yet, he remained faithful. And he stayed faithful. And we're going to take a look at, at how he started and the original calling that he got. And then some things that, that he was up against. Uh, if you found Jeremiah chapter 1, stand with me if you would. We'll read verses 4 through 10. Pray and get right into the message. And if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you. Verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word this morning, and we're thankful for each person that's here. We just ask God that, that the Spirit of God might grab a hold of the words of God this morning and minister to hearts as only you can. You know what the needs are that are represented in this congregation, and Father, you know what each individual person needs. Uh, Father, I, I am just so thankful that I, I serve a God who ministers to individuals. I'm glad that you don't treat us uh, in a cookie-cutter type fashion, that you, you, you treat us according to what we're dealing with and what, what the needs are in our personal lives. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. And Lord, may you use the Word of God to work in our hearts today. And as you speak to us, Father, may we respond to you and say yes, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Jeremiah got a call, a special call from God. Notice what his response to that call was down in verse 6. 
He says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And, uh, you know, you say, well, uh, and then God rebuked him. I don't know that he rebuked him. I think he just straightened him out. I think uh, Jeremiah had a very humble attitude. And you find that the people that God approaches the first time and says, listen, I've got a job for you to do. Uh, most of them in the Bible look at that job and say, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I'm not able. And the truth of the matter is we're not able to do what God told us to do unless he helps us, unless he empowers us, unless he strengthens us for the task. And that was the case. That was the case with with uh, Jeremiah. And uh, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing new to be timid. It's nothing new to be afraid. Uh, but it is wrong to stay there. And it would have been wrong for Jeremiah to stay there. And he didn't. He went ahead and he, he, he accomplished that which God wanted him to accomplish and surrendered himself to do whatever it was that God would have him to do. And what Jeremiah was up against in, in this situation is really, in reality, what we are up against today. Look down in verse 8. It says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And he's saying, listen, I know their faces are, are, are stern. Their faces are not going to be accepting. Their faces are going to be angry. Their faces are going to be uh, faces of mockery. But regardless of all of that, he said, there's one thing that you can absolutely rely on, and that is, I am with thee. In the scriptures, the Bible tells us of those that uh, of us that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and you know for sure because you realize that you were a sinner on your way to hell, and the only way you could go to heaven was by putting all your faith and all your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment that that occurred, not only did God save your soul, but God came into you, and He is with you from now and forever. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the Bible, Bible makes it very plain that, uh, that, that Jesus Christ, for a Christian, will never leave us nor forsake us. So we have the same promise that Jeremiah had, uh, I am with thee, and God is with us in whatever he calls us to do. But he told them specifically not to be afraid of their faces because he knew the things that, uh, that Jeremiah would be up against. And what Jeremiah is an example of, he's probably one of the best examples in Scripture, of someone who learned how to stand alone. And, you know, there's something that I think is, is getting increasingly more and more important to us as Christians today. And that is learning how to stand by ourselves with God and for God. And uh, because the truth of the matter is the majority out there are not on the same page that we are. And, and yet we have an ob obligation. We have an obligation to speak up for God. We have an obligation to stand for that which is right. But oftentimes when you do those things, you're going to have to do it without someone standing by your side. And that was really the ministry that Jeremiah had. He had a, a ministry of loneliness. He was by himself, but yet God was always with him, and he promised that he would never leave him, and that he would never forsake him. When he told him, be not afraid of, of, of their faces, there are some faces that Jeremiah encountered along the way, and we find, it through, we find those faces throughout 
uh, the book of Jeremiah. So let's look at some of the types of faces that Jeremiah was up against. Go to, go, go to chapter 2 and look with me down in verses 26 and 27. As a thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, and their priests, and their prophets, saying to a stock. Now, remember, this is the, the nation that used to serve Jehovah God. This is the nation that God took out of, out of Egypt and, and, and stood strong on their behalf against Pharaoh and stood strong on their behalf in the desert and stood strong on their behalf when they went into the promised land. And now what they have done is they have, they have reverted to the point of worshiping inanimate objects. In verse 20, 27, saying to a stock, thou art my father, and to a, a stone, uh, thou hast brought me forth. For they have turned their back unto me and not their face, but in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us. These are faces that have turned away from God. And they have embraced false ideas and, and uh, false ideas of origin. They say they, they're looking at a stone and saying, you're the one that brought me forth. You're the one that caused me to be born. Uh, stocks and stones are inanimate objects. And uh, they, but you know, one, one nice thing about an inanimate object, you don't have to be accountable to it. But a living God, you have to be accountable to. And so they had turned their back on God and instead had, had uh, uh, ignorantly uh, uh, worshipped those which are, which are inanimate and not actually gods at all. So they, they turned, they, there were faces that turned away from God. Secondly, we find in chapter 5 and verse 3, chapter 5, verse 3, it says, O Lord, heart not thine eyes upon the truth. Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. These are, these are hard faces. These are faces that have refused correction. And again, you know, the, the, none of this is really should be unfamiliar to us. We, we see people today that have turned their back on God. Uh, when... when, when uh, when I came into Auburn 30 years ago, I passed a whole lot more people that were obviously dressed up and ready to go to church than I passed this morning when I, went, when I came to church this morning. Uh, why? Well, because people have turned their back on God. And not only have they turned their back on him, but they have gotten hard against God. They have, uh, this is talking about hard faces. They've refu refused correction. Uh, if you don't respond to reproof and correction, you get hard and you get bitter. And that's exactly what had happened here with the nation of Israel. And you talk about patient. God was so patient with them. You know, I, I, I get a little put out with people who read the Old Testament and say, oh, God was so, so hard on Israel and so mean and so nasty. Are you kidding me? He put up with them and put up with them and put up with them and put up with them and, and uh, tried to work with them and tried to be merciful to them over and over again. And as they continued to say no to God, they just simply got hard and they got bitter. Um, and, and understand this when, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to 
to people about the Lord and had people blow up in my face. You know, I said the name Jesus Christ one time to a man. I uh, was talking about the Lord. In fact, I, I used the term the Lord Jesus Christ. He just, he, he was a real nice guy until I said those three words. And he just blew sky high. Well, you know, understand something. They're not mad at you. <laughs> you know, don't take that personal. It's not, it has nothing to do with you. They're upset with God about something. And they have gotten hard and they have gotten bitter and so they have hard faces. Look with me in, in uh, chapter 7. Here's another face, chapter 7, verses uh, 17 through 19. Verse 17 says, Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood and their fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. And to pour out drink offerings. By the way, that queen of heaven is a, is a pagan goddess. Okay, If you hear anybody talking about a queen of heaven, they're not talking about anything that, well, it's scriptural, but it's scriptural it's pointing to someone who's worshiping paganism. It has nothing to do with Christianity. And to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not? provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces. Uh, th these, these are confused faces. Uh, the, the, the future has some people absolutely scared to death. Uh, fearful people, and, and we've seen this over the last two years with COVID, fearful people can be dangerous people. Uh, fearful people uh, can act extremely erratically and, and can be oftentimes devoid of, uh, of common sense. Uh, people that become fearful like that are folks that, uh, for the most part, do not have an absolute in their life. And man, I'm so thankful that I have a Bible that I can believe in. I've got a Bible I can trust. Uh, I'm thankful that I have an absolute. When, when I go south, and God says, no, you're supposed to go north. I can trust what he says. When I'm doing something that I think is right, the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, how do you know that? There's only one way you can know that. You've got to have an absolute that tells you what is right and what is wrong. I remember um, you know, coming across many people, even growing up, even before I got saved, who made comments like there, there are no absolutes in life. And I always enjoy taunting people like that because when someone says there are no absolutes in life, you say, are you, are you absolutely positive of that? And they say, yes, I am. Well, you just stated an absolute. But nonetheless, uh, they, there are so many voices telling their version of the truth. And uh, thankfully, we have... We have the truth in the word of God. And what is the end of those confused faces? Look down in verse 20. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man and upon beast, and upon the, the trees of the field, and upon the fruit of the ground. And it shall burn and shall not be quenched. You know, uh, you look at that and it's talking about it's talking about eternal judgment. That ought, to, that ought to grab a hold of your heart. 
Uh, yeah, these people might have uh, faces that have turned away from God and hard faces and confused faces, and they might take it out on you. But understand what their, what their end is if they don't repent. Understand what their end is if they don't someday trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And that ought to break your heart. Uh, one of the things I so appreciate about Jeremiah is that he was up against these, and we've got, we've got four more that we're going to look at, faces, but he was up against all these, these, these hard, mad, angry, mocking faces, and yet, you know what he was known as? He had, he had one of the roughest ministries like you can find in Scripture, and it was a ministry of judgment. I mean, he had a judgment ministry. His whole, his whole message was repent, period. That was it. And uh, yet, you know what he's known as? He's known as the weeping prophet. Because he didn't just look at those people and then disdain them. He looked at those people and loved them and cared for them because he knew what their end was. Look with me over in chapter 30, if you would. Go to chapter 30. Here's another face. We see a lot of these today. Chapter 30, verses 4 through 7. It says, in, it says, And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. These are, these are, are fearful faces. And honestly, you know what that's become in America? That's become the norm. Just, just fearful, fearful of everything. Um, the, the future has folks scared. And uh, 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 again, fearful people can be very erratic. Uh, they're, they, they're concerned about crime. Crime is on the rise in, in New York State like never before. Uh, there have been higher crime statistics in all the major cities uh, this last year. And, uh, and, and people are fearful because of that. Uh, there's poor education. There's, there's, right now, there's financial turbulence. We, we have seen inflation. Uh, like, really, in, in, I've seen inflation before, but I've never seen it hit so hard and so fast and so quickly all in one short period of time. Um, you're paying more today for gas than you ever have in history in America. Uh, as far as I know, it is the highest gas price ever. And, and you look at the social issues, and you look at the politics, and you look at the health scares, and you look at all that kind of stuff, and again, if people don't have an absolute, if people don't have a God they can run to, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be fearful faces. Uh, if you're, and this really is the truth. If you are at peace in this world, you're weird. You know, I mean, really, you stick out. You stick out. 
uh, if, you're, if you're just walking along just trusting God and believing that he can take care of you, you know, uh, you know, we had to do things when, when uh, COVID was at its, it, its peak. We had to close down services. We had to wear a mask. We did a, a whole bunch of stuff. You, you say, did you like it? I didn't like any of it. Uh, and one of the reasons why I didn't care for it is, is I, I knew that doing those things would just escalate fear in people's hearts and lives. And I realized that they were necessary things to do at the time. But, but it, it's, it's still just really nurtured that fear. That's why the very, very first time we started doing this, this uh, verse or passage uh, of verses uh, every, every month and reading them or reciting them as a congregation was, uh, was uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of the sound mind. Understand, when you go out there and be a witness, you're going out to be a witness of people that are, that are genuinely fearful of some things. So they have fearful faces. Another face that they have, uh, go to chapter 42. And in chapter 42, look in verses 16 and 17. Chapter 42, 16 and 17 says, Then it shall come to pass that the sword which he feared shall overtake you, there in the land of Egypt, and the famine whereof you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there ye shall die. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them." These are, these are faces that are turned toward Egypt. And in the scriptures, Egypt is a type or a picture of the world. And it's looking to the world for answers. And, and you know, the, the problem with that is, again, their answers are not going to be absolute. The answer they give you uh, in 2020 is not going to be the same answer sometimes that they'll give you in 2021. And then that will differ again in 2022. Those things change. And uh, the wisdom of this world ends in swords and famine. And uh, uh, if you're looking for answers, don't look to the world. Uh, don't look. You know, uh, do I think that, that Christians ought to get involved in government and politics? Yes, absolutely I do. But, but please understand, the answer is not there. The answer is in the Word of God and the God of the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the answer is. And uh, if you turn to Egypt rather than turning to God, if you turn to the world instead of turning to God for answers, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Uh, another, another face that he warns about is found in chapter 51. 51, 51. Jeremiah 51, 51. It says, we are confounded because we have, we have heard reproach. Shame hath covered our faces, for strangers are come into the sanctuaries of the Lord's house. This is ashamed or shamed faces. Uh, sin brings reproach and sin brings shame. And they, they had faces of shame because they had turned their back against God. 
they, they had turned away from what they knew that he wanted them to do and the way that, they, that he wanted them to live and uh, uh, looked to other, other sources for their peace and their happiness. Uh, conviction manifests itself uh, when a person is convicted, when a person is ashamed in their life. It manifests themselves in different ways. Uh, a person can, can manifest it by being scared. Uh, another person can manifest that shame by being uh, froward and very angry. Uh, they, can, they can be, uh, you know, very uh, decidedly upset. Uh, when folks do that, again, understand, it's, it's, it's not you that they're upset with. They are contrary to God, and that's the reason why they respond the way that they do. Uh, the last, last face he talks about is found in chapter 50. Back up to chapter 50 and look down in verse 5. Chapter 50 and verse 5. It says, They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. This is, this is a repentant face. And this is the right face. However, unfortunately, it's one out of seven. Six of the faces are negative, and one of the, one of the faces is positive. But this is a submissive heart. This is the heart of someone who gets the message and decides to do what God would have them to do. Uh, what, what we need today is, is uh, uh, the need that we have today is the same need that Jeremiah had back in his day. He was in the minority. Quite frankly, folks, we are in the minority, very much so. And what, what is necessary is for folks that are willing to take a stand for what's right and be verbal about it. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. That doesn't mean you have to be an idiot. And again, uh, Jeremiah was not that way at all. Uh, Jeremiah oftentimes broke down in tears when he was de delivering this message to the people. He was not angry. He was, he was not, uh, not upset in that way. Uh, he was upset. He was heartbroken because he knew his country was in trouble. Honestly, folks, I don't think we've seen anything yet when it comes to, to judgment on America. Uh, the America I grew up in, in the 1950s and the 1960s, is not even, and then, of course, that was anything but perfect back then. But, but it's, it's a far cry from that even today when it comes to people's response, relationship to, and respect of God and his word. But, but our, our task is still the same. How they respond does not, should not determine whether or not we fulfill that which God has told us to do. And, 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 but understand this. You can't, just, you can't just say, well, I, okay, uh, I see what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to go do it. No, you got to prepare to do it. And when it comes to standing alone, there's some preparation that we need to do in order to be able to stand like Jeremiah stood. And one of the things that I so appreciate about Jeremiah, Jeremiah had no support group. He didn't have a church to go to like this. Okay, he didn't, have, he, didn't have, he didn't have any folks like you folks to encourage him in the world. He had nobody come up to him 
after he got done preaching a message and say, boy, Jeremiah, did I ever get a blessing out of that? You know what he got? He got, Jeremiah, you're a mess. Jeremiah, you're wrong. They went up to Jeremiah. One time he was, he was doing a, uh, an illustration. God had him wear a yoke. And he says, you're going to be under the yoke of other countries, of, of heathen lands because of your disobedience against God. And one of the so-called prophets, one of the religious ministers, came over and grabbed that yoke and said, no, we won't. God will break that yoke. And he smashed the yoke down. He mocked him. He ridiculed him. He got no support at all. Yet, you know, you know something about Jeremiah. You can go all the way through the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah stood firm. He, he, he knew what he was supposed to do, and he accomplished his task. Now, whether or not other people respond to that task, that's not your responsibility. That's not my responsibility. That certainly wasn't Jeremiah's responsibility. His responsibility was to be faithful. So how do we, how do, do we prepare so that we can be ready to stand alone for God? Number one, get saved if you're not saved. Uh, you, can't, you can't stand for God if you don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven. You can't stand for God if you don't know for sure that uh, you're on your way to heaven. Uh, I, I'm so thankful for the, the night that I got saved and the man that, that faithfully delivered the message to me of how to be saved. And uh, uh, the very first step is just to know for sure that you are saved and you're on your way to heaven. Then number two, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Book of Romans is divided in two parts. Uh, first part of Romans all the way through chapter, all the way up to chapter 12. Uh, Romans 1 through 11 basically is doctrine. Uh, there, are, there are some practical things in there, but overall it's a, it's a very, very doctrinal uh, group of chapters talking about salvation, talking about forgiveness in Christ, talking about faith. Then in verse 12, the whole thing changes and it becomes very practical toward the, the person that has trusted Christ as Savior. And he says this in verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. First thing is, is, is just simply to, to surrender to God. And let God know that you are available for him. He, he says in verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. If you have received his mercies, if, if you have trusted him as Savior and he's forgiven you of all your sin and promised you eternal life. Uh, he's saying, because God's been so merciful. He said, won't you give yourself fully, completely and wholly to God? And then he says in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He, he tells him here to, to renew your mind and to do so with truth. You've got to think right in order to stand alone. 
And on our own, we don't think right. Again, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the waves of death. Uh, God says, your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. Why did he say that? Because we're just the opposite. So we have to learn what God's ways are. And the way you do that is by renewing your mind with truth. You'll either be, uh, there, there's, or there's only two options in this thing. You'll either be transformed or you'll be conformed. You know, one of the saddest things that, that I see in America today is people that are saved, people that have trusted Christ as Savior, but they're not transformed, they're conformed. They haven't let the Word of God make a difference in their life, and instead they're trying to become very, very much like the world. God says, no, you've got to have a different way of thinking. You've got to have your, your thoughts transformed. And uh, uh, the way that you can tell whether or not you are a conformed person or a transformed person, I just have one question for you. How bold are you? How bold are you? Do you have boldness in Jesus Christ? Uh, you know, are you, are you ashamed of the gospel? Uh, are, you, are, are, are you willing to, under difficult situations, to uh, present somebody with the gospel? And, and that's really what the, what the test is. You can tell whether a person is conformed or transformed. Are they bold? And the third thing we can do to prepare is to obey the promptings of the Spirit of God. Take your Bibles and turn back in Romans to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. And I, I can't really go into a complete description of what I mean by the promptings of the Spirit of God because it's an inward thing that God does in, in leading and guiding and directing you. He said previously that when a person gets saved, they get the Spirit of God in them. The Bible says of saved people that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, for you're bought with a price. Uh, because he is in you, there are things that he will prompt you to do. After I got saved, I was prompted, and I believe by the Spirit of God, to tell other people about Jesus Christ. I was prompted to tell my mom, I was prompted to tell my dad, I was prompted to tell my friends. Um, that wasn't something that came from without, that was something that came from within, and it wasn't me. Because I was, I was never prompted to do that before I got saved. And I, but after, after salvation, that spirit of God on me. And I didn't even understand what it was at the time. But I do now because of what the scripture says. Romans chapter 8, look in verses 13 through 17. Verse 13 says, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. And again, he's speaking here to save people. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that, that we suffer with him, 
that we may also that we may be also glorified together. Uh, because we have the Spirit of God in us, He prompts us to do things. Uh, yesterday, I went went to the the post office and uh, I. Uh, uh, began to get out, out of the car, and I, my wife and Joy had the, had the van so they could take kids up for a, a Sunday school um, a field trip up in, up in Rochester. And so I had the car. Well, the car has got, has got a uh, kind of a, like a well in it when you get into the car. There's, uh, um, there's a, a wall that's about this high, and then it goes down to the floor. Well, that's great for getting in. You know, and I have no problem with that. But since I had my knee replaced, uh, pushing it like this to get out of something, it, in fact, just right then, <laughs> gave me a little pain. And uh, so I started to get out, and I realized, whoa, getting out is not going to be as easy as it was, uh, you know, two or three months ago. And so, uh, so I, I was grabbing my leg and I was pulling my leg. Well, there was a lady parked right next to me watching this whole show, you know. I think she was enjoying herself. And, uh, I, and uh, I, I, I finally got out and she says, getting old uh, isn't exactly easy, is it? <laughs> and I wanted to say, what do you mean old? You old? No, but I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And, uh, and, and I, I, you know, I really, I just wanted to get my day started. I, I really didn't want to have a conversation with somebody I, I didn't even know. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I just recently had a knee replacement, so it, it has, it, it, you know, it's given me a little, little trouble. It's a little bit more difficult. She says, really? Really, you have? She says, I'm considering getting one. And I thought, okay, I guess my day is going to be way late here a little bit, and I'm not going to go right into the post office. And I, I just, I could tell that number one, she wanted to talk. Number two, I knew the Lord wanted me to talk to her. And before it was all said and done, uh, we, we had a, a short conversation. And, uh, and I was able to give her a track and tell her about our church and tell her, tell her you know, invite her to come and so forth. And, uh, uh, but it was a prompting that God gave to me to do that. Don't just blow this gal off. This is an opportunity that you've got to be a witness. Uh, how many times have you had that? And, and, and honestly, I have, I'm guilty of this. Okay, I'm not pointing my finger at you. But how many times have you had that opportunity and you said no? You had that prompting and you said no. Not obeying the prompting is being disobedient to God. Uh, delayed obedience is disobedience to God. Is God prompts us. One of the things you ought to get used to, and uh, and and it depends upon the time of day, and it depends upon what's going on in my life. And I, I'll admit it; I'm just as susceptible as you are. I have a tendency sometimes to say, "No, God, I really don't want to do this right now," and uh, God will continue to 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 work on my heart. Those promptings need to be obeyed. When, when God begins to lead, guide you, and direct you in a particular direction, uh, through, even through circumstances in life, you need to pay attention to them. And the fourth thing you need to do in order to prepare to stand alone is to serve righteousness rather than serving sin. Now, you're in Romans 8, back up to Romans 6. 
in Romans 6, look in verses uh, 11, beginning in verse 11 down through 18. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now he's saying that because before you got saved, you were alive to sin and dead to God. Once you trusted Christ as Savior, you were dead to sin. You are now dead to sin and alive to God. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't still say yes to sin. You can, but you don't have to. You were in bondage to that sin before. And verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You have the power now of God to rely upon and the strength to be able to say no to sin. You didn't have that before you got saved. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye, ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. So the, 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 the whole idea is, is we now have a choice and we can serve righteousness instead of serving sin. Uh, Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. When you do right, the more you do right, the bolder you'll get. The less you do right, the less boldness you'll have. A doing right gives you boldness. Sin gives you timidity. You say, oh, no, 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 you, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm just... I, that's just my character. I'm just naturally shy. No. No, you're not just... You, you might have that tendency to be shy, but I, I, and I really believe this with all my heart. I believe shyness that stops you from giving out the gospel, that stops you from caring for folks, that stops you from loving people and serving God like you should, that's, that's not just a character flaw. That's sin. That's sin. And the Bible says the more we do right, the bolder we'll become. So boldness comes from righteousness. Another thing we can do to prepare ourselves, and th this one's real simple, but and, and probably should have been at the top of the list. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. In John 14, look with me down in verse... 21, John chapter 14 and verse, verse 21. I love this verse. It says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. God does something special and strengthens people who just love him. If you love him, you'll obey him. And, and you'll be more concerned about his reputation than you'll be concerned about your own reputation. Uh, loving God gives you a passion for others. I, I, I've, I've watched this in my own life. The more, the more I love God, the more I care about what happens to others. 
the less I love God, the more I become self-centered, the less I care about others. And that's true. So one of the ways that you can learn how to stand alone and to do right, regardless of what other people say or think, is just by loving God. And the more you love God, uh, you, you, the more you will obey him and want to do right. Then another thing we can do is, is just understand and know that God is always with you. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. And we started with this, and we're going to be ending here on pretty much on this note. Hebrews chapter 13, look down in verse, verse uh, well, look at verse 5. It says, let, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For, the, for he saith, for he has said, uh, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Know that God is with you. Know that he said he'd never leave you and he'd never forsake you. You, you may be standing alone humanly, but you're never alone because God's always with you. And then the very last thing. Uh, turn with me to James chapter 4 and Proverbs chapter 8. James 4. And then go over in your Old Testament to Proverbs. Chapter 8. James chapter 4. Look down in verse 6. It says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know, I, I really believe that's one of the reasons why God used Jeremiah in such a, a great way was because when God approached Jeremiah, he didn't say this, I don't believe with resistance. I think he was just being honest before God. And he says, I'm just a child. He says, listen, you're, you're, ask, you're asking me to do a big boy's job. And I, 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 don't, I, I don't have what it takes. And that was the humility that God needed him to have in order to be able to use him. We, we just uh, sang a song here just before the message. Channels only, blessed Savior. That's all you are. That's all I am. We're just a vessel. We're just a channel. God, God wants to, we, we, we need to be submitted to him. But you got to understand, it's not because you and I are of any great shakes. It's because we serve a great God. And it's that great God that will empower you and strengthen you and help you to do the job. Be humble. And, and not only be humble, but hate evil and fear God. Uh, go with me to Proverbs chapter 8 and look down in verse 13. It says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. You know, you look at, you look at Jeremiah, and those three things characterize Jeremiah. He, number one, he was humble. He said, I can't do this. You're right, Jeremiah, you can't. I like what, uh, uh, what someone said. I read this in a book here years ago. It said, the Christian life is not hard. He said, it's absolutely impossible. And that was really encouraging, wasn't it? Uh, but the reason why he said that 
was because you can't do it in your flesh. You can't do it in your own strength. You can only do it as God strengthens you and enables you to do so. So uh, he, was, he was a humble man. He hated evil. He hated what, the, what Israel was doing. It just turned his stomach, but he loved those people. And, uh, and, and, he, and most of all, he feared God. And because he feared God and because he, he hated evil and because he was humble, God used him in a great way. Jeremiah had a ministry of rebuke, yet he was known as the weeping prophet. You know why? Because, because he, he had the right thoughts in his mind, because he obeyed God whenever he prompted him to do so, because he served righteousness rather than sin, because he, he loved the Lord. And it was obvious that he loved him. It was obvious that he served him and, and, uh, and feared him. Uh, he, he knew that God was with him. God told him that right in the very first chapter. And he never left him nor forsook him. And he stayed humble. He hated evil. And he served the Lord with his whole heart. You know what God needs today? God needs people that are willing to stand alone for God. We're, we're living in a day and age when we are for sure the minority. Uh, I don't know that born again saved people have ever been in the majority per se, but, but, but I do believe that, that uh, our, our nation used to be a God-fearing nation. It's not anymore. And so the, the type of ministry that God gave to Jeremiah is the type of ministry that not just I as a preacher of the gospel have, we all have that ministry. Because God has placed us here for such a time as this. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you would work on hearts this morning and may there be decisions made. Not just, well, that was a good message and yeah, I agree with it and yeah, those things are probably necessary. God, I pray that some folks would make a commitment to you, a commitment to love you, a commitment to fear you, a commitment to do that which is right, a commitment to follow your promptings, a commitment to obey their God and stand alone where it's necessary. Father, I just pray that you would have your will and your way in this invitation this morning. And Lord, may some folks, by the mercies of God, present themselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.